Welcome to the podcast of Word to Life, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. For over a decade each week on Sirius XM, the Dominican friars of the province of St. Joseph have presented a sacred scripture and liturgy made simple for today's complicated world. If you want to listen to more of Word to Life, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Fridays, 1 p.m. Eastern, to the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. Scott Hahn writes, What Christmas celebrates, on one level, is a revolution in religious thought. Scholars of comparative religions will sometimes try to boil diverse traditions down to a set of motives that, stripped of their particularity, begin to look a lot like, uh, begin to look a lot alike, though rather less like themselves. It is, moreover, the tendency of polite people in pluralistic societies to gloss over religious differences and look for common ground. That's a good quality, but it can be taken too far, and I fear it often is. For Christianity is singular among the world religions. Only Christians say that the one true God exists eternally in a communion of perfect love, that he loves eternally and he is loved eternally. 
Some religions are monotheistic. They profess belief in one God as we do, but their God is a solitude. Other religions are polytheistic. They believe in two gods or many gods, and inevitably, they see their gods as locked in perpetual strife. These beliefs all lead to distinct moral consequences. They affect life. Christian faith requires us to believe in love, love that is stable, eternal, unending, unchanging, undying, supernatural. Christian faith requires us to believe that eternal love is interpersonal, tripersonal, and triune. Christian faith requires us to believe that love eternally broke into history on Christmas Day when God's eternal world became, word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Christian faith compels us to say that we have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. The angels sang glory because God's highest glory was touching down on earth to be shared by the Son with many co-heirs, many brothers and sisters in the assembly of the firstborn. It is in the church that we celebrate Christmas with saints in innumerable angels and festal gathering, whether we go to midnight mass or mass at dawn or at any time of the blessed day. Christmas shines uniquely in the world as a beacon of true love. Only Christianity can trace the genealogy of love back to infinitely to eternity. Polytheism cannot do this, nor can monotheism that proposes God as a solitude. If we do not recognize the difference this makes, we can be sure that the other religions still do. For example, Islam from its founding has strongly and fiercely condemned Christianity's doctrines on the Trinity and the Incarnation. This condemnation appears in strongest terms in the Quran, and it is engraved upon the walls of the Dome of the Rock. No human mind could have invented the triune God. He is not a God we can contain in our categories or tame by our thoughts. No human mind could have conceived a God who is love and who loves us as if we were gods. No human mind, unaided by angels, could have dreamt up Christmas. Christmas makes us different. Christmas sets us apart. Christmas calls us to share in divine love and then to share that love with an unbelieving world. And again, in the words of Scott Hahn from his book, Joy to the World, how Christ's coming changed everything and still does. And with that, on this Christmas edition of Word to Life, let us pray the collect that will be heard at the masses on Christmas. Let us pray. O God, who gladden us year by year as we await and hope for our redemption, grant that just as we joyfully welcome your only begotten Son as our Redeemer, we may also merit to face him confidently when he comes again as our Judge, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. It is Sirius XM 129, the Catholic Channel, Father John Maria Devaney, the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph, and each week we take the time to go over the upcoming Sunday Mass readings. Uh, we've had the good pleasure of doing this for 13 years now, since the beginning of the Catholic Channel. We're officially teenagers, I guess, in the in the world of broadcasting. Uh, well, hopefully a little more mature than that. But nonetheless, uh, we're doing something a little special. Even though this Sunday is the fourth Sunday of Advent, as we're still preparing uh, for the coming of Christmas, Christmas falls on a Wednesday this year. So we actually thought it would be quite enjoyable to go over the Christmas readings, the Gospels that are heard from uh, the afternoon or early evening.
evening mass that's quite popular with families and children to midnight mass, or we call it actually mass during the night, mass at dawn, and then, of course, mass during the day. And the words of uh, the author Scott Hahn from, again, that book, Joy to the World. And by the way, the music we opened up with was from our own uh, Dominican House of Studies, Scola Cantora, out of Washington, D.C., and their Christmas record, uh, Christmas at the Dominican House of Studies, out there on all the usual digital platforms. And the track we opened up with was Lo Rose Blooming. So the gentleman who gave us that wisdom and insight, again, from the book Joy to the World, happens to be in New York and in the studios and welcoming back uh, for this Christmas edition, Dr. Scott Hahn. It's good to be here, but I tell you, it is an exciting thing that you've been given, this ministry of proclaiming the word on Sirius XM, the Catholic Channel. And we just picked up a partnership with Pandora, and I have to study this mm-hmm. a little more, but I think between Pandora and Sirius XM, there's now 100 million subscribers, which is actually one-third of the U.S., if you think about it, almost. Staggering. So we have this great opportunity for the gospel to reach the digital age and uh, wherever the hearts and minds of the listeners uh, may be guided by the Spirit. So, right. uh, so welcome to everyone. And also, too, uh, if you're listening for this broadcast, I want to give a special invitation to anyone who might we call uh, a Christmas and an Easter Catholic or a C&E Catholic, where they only go to Mass maybe on Christmas and Easter. Uh, I, I want to invite you during our broadcast uh, to, to dwell more richly about uh, the great grace of, of going to Mass every Sunday and hearing the Word of God. Also perhaps inviting many of you, because many, many, many dioceses uh, throughout the uh, country have extended hours of confession Christmas week, uh, the opportunity to go back to our Lord's mercy and, and let this time of Christmas be the greatest gift of of Christ himself to renew you uh, in your practicing of the faith. So for anyone who might be listening, uh, I I definitely want to extend that special invitation. But we have a lot of ground to cover, uh, and we have a lot of scripture to cover, so we're going to get right into it. Now this, uh, Scott, is the gospel that's heard at uh, the the afternoon or early evening Mass. It's quite popular with children and families to have a four or five o'clock Mass uh, in the parish. Uh, And this actually is from the Gospel of Matthew, and it's the genealogy, as you were referred to uh, in Joy to the World. So uh, the go- uh, reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham became the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amadimadad. Amadimadad, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed became the father of Jesse, Jesse, the father of David. David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon became the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam became the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asaph. Asaph became the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. Joram, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah became the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amos. Amos, the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, Jeconiah became the father of Sheatiel, Sheatiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abud, Abud became the father of Elikim, Eliakim the father of Azor, 
Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok became the father of Akim, Akim the father of Elud, Elud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar became the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Of her was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. Thus the total number of generations, from Abraham to David, is fourteen generations, from David to the Babylonian exile, fourteen generations, from the Babylonian exile to the Christ. 14 generations. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save, he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son and named him Jesus. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Scott, that is the genealogy of Jesus, yet uncreated, true God, true man, yet we have a line. And I turn it over to you gladly because there is so many jewels in this first gospel of the Christmas liturgies. That's right. Well, first of all, Father John, clearly we have the importance of the family line, which is sort of hard for us as Americans to relate to because we tend to reduce the family to the nuclear family. And maybe grandparents at best. That's right. Yeah. You know, and maybe aunts and uncles and cousins. But to go back this many generations and to see an extended family, I mean, really the only analogy I can think of for American Catholics might be the line of presidents and how two of them stand out. And that would those would be Washington and Lincoln, Lincoln the Revolution and the Civil War. And so the two that stand out the most obviously would be the founding father, Abraham, and then the first reigning king, David. And David is really central in the first two readings leading up to the gospel. For example, we find in Isaiah, for Zion's sake I will not be silent. And so we're already queued up with the first reading and even more with the second reading from Acts 13, where Paul is preaching in the synagogue of Pisidia Antioch, and he's talking all about, guess who? David. And so what we look at is the opening verse, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And, you know, it's, it's, it's helpful to remember that Matthew was probably writing this gospel originally for Jewish Christians. And they would know that in the Hebrew, there are no numbers. It's like Latin. You have Roman numerals. So if you see on the page L-I-V, you might see the word leave, or you might see 54. When you look at Hebrew and you see David's name, you see three letters, Daleth, Wild, Daleth. But you also see the number 14. And so the very structure of this genealogy, that is three cycles of 14 each, is a kind of literary device to showcase the fact that at the end of the three 14s, voila, the son of David. Another thing that stands out is the fact that David's son, Solomon, is the very first person in salvation history, in the Bible, to be referred to as the son of God. 
I mean, that allusion is found back in Exodus 4 with regard to the nation of Israel, but no individual Israelite until the prophet Nathan announces the covenant with David and the kingdom. And then this is the word of the Lord. I will be his father and he will be my son. So the son of David is the first to be called the son of God. And that, of course, refers to Solomon originally, who is not only the son of David and then anointed with the oil from the high priest, conferring upon him this grace of divine adoption. But he also ends up as the king of Israel, the one who builds the temple, the fount of wisdom. So many ways he's prefiguring Jesus, who is the son of God, but then he enters into the line of David. And he also is the king. He is also born in Bethlehem, just where David was was born. He's the source of wisdom, divine wisdom, the wisdom of God. You could go on and on to show these parallels. And so what Washington and Lincoln are for us, Abraham and David are for Jewish Christians back in the first century. But one other feature in this genealogy that stands out are the four women that are in the first set of 14 generations. And, you know, to have women in a genealogy is itself highly irregular, unusual, especially a Jewish genealogy going back to the first century. But what's even more striking is that these four women aren't just women who don't belong, but they're all Gentile women who don't belong even more. But when you look at them and you see first women, two, Gentile women, but three, they're sort of women who would have been viewed as being under a, a shadow of suspicious behavior. You can see this, first of all, with Tamar. Judah became the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Well, she's a woman. She's a Canaanite. But she becomes a mother by being a prostitute in Genesis. And you're like, yikes, what is she doing there? And then as you continue reading, the next thing you come on is a woman, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And in the book of Joshua, Rahab is a woman. She's also a Gentile, and she's also a prostitute. The two least likely candidates to appear in this genealogy. And then you also have Boaz became the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth from the line of Moab, and Moabites were excluded from the assembly of Israel up to 10 generations. So it's like strike three, but if that isn't enough, (laughs) you end up with a fourth strike where David became the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. And we know what happened to Uriah, the poor guy. That's right. So Bathsheba isn't even identified by name except for being the wife of Uriah. And David had a daughter with her, and then David then had Uriah, her husband, killed on the battle lines. And so leading up to David, you have four women, four Gentile women, and four women of questionable repute. And so the question is, why in the world would Matthew do this? Well, if you understand— He's not writing a romance novel. (laughs) That's for sure. But he is writing with a subtle strategy that might be elusive to us today in a way that it wouldn't have been to Jewish Christian readers in the first century, especially if they were Palestinian or Judean. Because you know that in that culture, many are coming to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, the anointed one, that he is the son of David. But many aren't. And so they're wondering, wait, you know, how can you be a Jewish Christian? Are you, are you implying that our high priest not only missed the coming Messiah, but had him murdered by a Roman figurehead like Pilate? You know, pass the ketchup. I mean, that kind of dinner table conversation would be highly charged. Sure. So, you know, when Jesus speaks about, I'm going to divide father and you know, sons and daughters and this sort of thing, you can imagine a Jewish family where some are Christian and some are not. 
and the tensions that would be there. And you know if you're Matthew and you're about to narrate the virgin birth of the blessed uh, the, the virgin birth of Jesus by Mary, you're going to be narrating something that the Jewish non-Christians back in the first century would have probably found unconvincing, if not laughable. And so, I mean, the very fact that you claim that she was a virgin when she conceived, you've got to be kidding. I've got some swamp land in Louisiana I want to sell you, sure. you know. How we gullible, how credulous we, do you we, think we, we are? Had, we haven't sailed the, the ocean blue yet. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. So, you know, what the strategy looks like to me is this. That, you know, if, whether or not you accept that Jesus is the Christos, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the king in the line of David, you know, the one thing that every Jew would agree on, and that is Solomon. He is the son of David. He's the first to be called the son of God. He was anointed and thus is a Mashiach, an anointed one, a Messiah. Spell it with a small m because he's not the same as King Messiah, but he's a prefiguration of that. Well, you know, if you know that your Jewish non-Christian readers are going to reject what you're about to narrate in terms of the virgin birth, you know, Jesus' messianic credentials are automatically thrown out the window. He's disqualified because this virgin birth story is just too, you know, too fabulous. Mm. But wait a second. If we all agree on Solomon, we all see that he is the son of David. He is the son of God. He is the anointed one. Jewish Christians and Jewish non-Christians would agree with that. Before you reject Jesus' messianic credentials because of the questionable circumstances surrounding his mother's conception, let's go back and look at how the one guy we all agree on came into being. First of all, we have Tamar, the Canaanite prostitute, then Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute, then Ruth, the Moabitess, and then Solomon's own mother was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. If Jesus is disqualified because of the questionable circumstances surrounding her so-called virginal conception, that would imply Solomon is basically rejected four times over. Mm. It's a kind of preemptive apologetic. It's a first strike that before you can even launch your missiles from the silo against Jesus being the Messiah, (laughs) we're going to take them out four times because we all agree on Solomon. But if you disqualify Jesus, you'd end up proving more than anybody wants to live with. So I would propose that what Matthew has done is not only literarily beautiful and symmetrical, not only historically accurate, but theologically penetrating because he has shown this royal pedigree, but at the same time, he's identified these four women. And why in the world would he include women, Gentile women of ill repute? Well, given the circumstances of this first century, it makes total sense. And then let us then, as Christ undid everything with our sin, then you have the Immaculate One, the Virgin, the most pure to bring into the Savior of the world. That's right. You know, and if Luke focuses on the angel's annunciation to Mary, Matthew is focusing on the angel's annunciation to Joseph. Because, you know, two things to observe when it comes to Joseph. First of all, everybody up until Joseph, Eliud, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Joseph, Joseph, the father of no. It's not Joseph the father of, it's Joseph the husband of Mary. See, that's important because there's that break. It's a disruption. Yes, yes. Yeah. no, just a moment on that because it's very important. Please expand on that. I thought, by the way, it's uh, Word to Life. You've just joined us with Scott Hahn here. We're talking about the uh, Christmas readings and Gospels. But that's a very important point. I want to hit that actually before we go to break. Yeah. I mean, what Matthew wants us to see is that Joseph, in a certain sense, is clearly the husband of the Blessed Virgin. 
And he is a father figure, but not by any natural biological means. And so this is a back way, a back door for introducing us to the notion that fatherhood is not reducible to the biological, the physical, the sexual, the genital, the things that we share in common with animals. But when animals generate and reproduce, they don't produce persons who are made in the image and likeness of God, who can know what is true, who can choose what is good, who can love others as they love themselves. No, fatherhood and motherhood in the human in the human case, it's unique. It's imaging God in a way that Matthew wants us to see a little more clearly. So Joseph, the husband of Mary, this prepares us for the virginal conception, but it's also going to prepare us for Joseph being a true father, but not father in biological terms. It really is a theological mystery. And it's the one we're going to unpack as we come back after a break. Sirius XM 129, on the Catholic Channel. You're listening to Word to Life. Uh, joining me in the studio for this Christmas edition, even though we still have the fourth Sunday of Advent ahead of us, uh, from uh, his selections and insights, especially the book out there, Joy to the World, How Christ's Second Coming, uh, How Christ's Coming Changed Everything and Still Does, Dr. Scott Hahn. And we will then enter into, as you call it, Midnight Mass, or as the Church only calls it, Mass at Night. And we'll hear those great readings right here on Sirius XM 129, the Catholic Channel, It's Word to Life. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Word to Life with the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to hear the full show every week, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Fridays, 1 p.m. Eastern, to the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129.